0: Everybody here is familiar with Marvel Comics, aren't you? Yes, no, maybe? Marvel Comics has been around a long time. I mean, your grandparents were looking at Marvel Comics, not on TV or not, uh, they weren't watching it on the uh, the movies or anything, but really, Marvel Comics has been around since 1939. 1939 is when guys like Spider-Man and Iron Man came out. You know those dudes? Fantastic Four, Thor, Captain America. You know who those folks are? Yes, yes, you do. Do we need to stand up and do something again? Where's Justin? We need. Do we need one more song. Maybe. Okay. I'm gonna give you one more chance. How many of you know who Spider Man is? Do you know. Who? All right. Great. Sure you do. He wears tights, and he can spin a web and fly around the room. That's pretty amazing. I think Marvel Comics was named Marvel Comics because the word Marvel means to be amazed or to, to stare and wonder at something. And, and if a guy came in this room today in tights, and he could spin a web uh, on the ceiling and fly around the room, you would stare in awe and amazement, wouldn't you? Yes, you would. It would be, uh, I mean, even though we're not real excited this morning, that would excite us to see Spider-Man in this room. Well, this morning we're starting a sermon series out of the book of Mark. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 1. It's right before Mark chapter 2. fairly easy to find. Mark is an amazing little book. It is it's the shortest of the gospels. The gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. The word gospel means good news. And there's only 16 chapters in this little book, but it is an, an amazing amazing book. It's possibly the very first of the gospels of the Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And it was probably written somewhere between 20 or 25 years after Jesus's death and his resurrection. It was written by a guy named John Mark. John John Mark was a cousin of Barnabas, he's a a guy you see in the New Testament, kind of a, a third level guy, he's not one of the main players. But we believe that he got this as a biography from Peter, who was a very close associate of of Jesus Christ. And and it was written to non-Jewish people. Matthew wrote his book to Jewish people. Uh, John Mark wrote his to to the Gentiles, to the Roman people. And it's an energetic book. It's fast-paced. It's moving. It's powerful. Folks, in 16 chapters, you have at least 20 miraculous events where Jesus comes in and he raises a dead person. Or he heals somebody or he does something that's just unbelievable. The word straightforward or, or, or a word similar to that, basically saying to get, let's get up and let's get going, is used 46 times. In, in these 16 chapters, it's a book that when you read it, and hopefully as we go through it, it will cause you to stop and to marvel at what an awesome God we have. And it will hopefully stop and cause us to look at what wonderful and awesome things God can do in our lives and our world today. I'm going to give you a little taste of it. In verse 10 and 11 in chapter 1, it says, Jesus was coming out of the water. As he was, he saw heaven being torn open, ripped apart, and the spirit descended on him like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. That would have been something to marvel at, wouldn't it? When someone gets baptized and the roof tears open and the heavens tear open and you hear the voice of God the Father, that was an awesome thing. And, folks, I want to tell you what set up that awesome, marvelous event happening 2,000 years ago. And the same principles, not necessarily to that same event, but to seeing God work in marvelous ways in our lives are true today. Also, I want to give you three things, and here's the first. You want to see marvelous things, you always have to take the hard right road in life. Folks, life gives you a lot of option. Life gives you a lot of possibilities. And, and a lot of times there's an easy way, there's the way that everybody else goes. The Bible even calls one road to the, the broad road. But even as Christians, there's a lot of options, but to see God work like God wants to, you and I have to make a choice to take the hard and the right road in life. Let's look at verse 1 through 9 as this book begins. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. In verse 4, and so John came baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. And the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him confessing their sins and were baptized by him in the Jordan. John wore clothing made of camel's hair. You know, you can't find that at Dillard's, can you? The camel hair department. I guess you can't a camel hair sports coat. He, ate, he had a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts with wild honey. Friend, if I was eating locusts, I'd have a lot of wild honey too, wouldn't you? He was chowing down there. You, you won't get that at Pete's Inn at the buffet today. And this, this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I. The thongs of whose sandals I am unworthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And verse 9 is a big, big verse. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth and Galilee, and he was baptized by John in the Jordan. Who is this peculiar-looking guy, John? He's Jesus' cousin. And this is, in in Luke chapter 3, as the story is being told, it tells us Jesus is 30 years old. And and up until this point in his life, Jesus had been, he had been basically just a common person. I mean, he was God. He was the son of God. But he had had not done any miracles. He had been undercover. He had been uh, behind the scenes completely. And we're going to see that the kickoff of his ministry, the kickoff of everything great, happens at this event And the next event that we're going to see next Sunday morning. And it begins when he goes to this guy, John, his cousin, who's wearing strange clothes and who's eating locusts and honey. Which, by the way, to a Jewish person were ceremonially clean and they were available in the desert. Why did he eat locusts and honey? Because that's what you have there for you in the desert, I guess. They don't have a lot of pepperoni pizza or cheese sticks there. John was, a, John was a prophet. I mean, he was a bold guy. He was one like Elijah of the Old Testament. He dressed like him and he act like him. And he was out trying to point people to God. And he was trying to prepare the way for Jesus Christ, the one who was coming. It says he was in the arid region, the desert region of Judea. Now, here's where we get in something that's pretty interesting. In Jesus' day, we're going to show you a map in just a second, not right now where in Palestine, where he lived, was divided in three areas. There was Galilee in the north, there was Samaria in the middle, and there was Judea in the south, okay? And, and they're, they're some distance apart depending on where you're coming from. And John, Jesus' cousin, who is who is baptizing people and he's calling people to change their lives and to show that their lives have been changed by being willing to get in the water and make a public statement you've been cleansed and you're starting anew and and that you're really going to the next level with God. And Jesus Christ, not because he needs to be baptized to show his sins have been forgiven, but it's the kickoff of his public ministry. He is led by God. To go to Judea to be baptized. Now, I want to tell you, this was not an easy thing. I want to show you. It says Jesus was in Nazareth in Galilee. Let's look at this map, Kyle. Okay, can you see where my red dot is right there? That's Nazareth, that's where Jesus was. Now, where he came to be baptized down here was right around here at the Jordan River. Now, that may not look like a big deal to you. There's Galilee, there's Samaria, there's Judea. But depending on the potential route that Jesus took, it was 50 to 70 miles. Again, that's no big deal. You get in your car today, you put in uh, a Pastor Chris sermon. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha and you put on the air conditioner, and you cruise, and within an hour, easy, you're at 50 or 70 miles. The only problem is, is Jesus didn't have anything to cruise in, did he? when he had to go somewhere, he had to walk. And and they would average, when they'd go on trips, maybe 20 miles a day. And so when Jesus made a decision to leave Nazareth and come down to Judea to be baptized, this is what God wanted him to do. It was the right thing to do. It was the kickoff of his public ministry. Please don't forget that that was making a decision to walk for about three or four days one way to get baptized. If I said to you on Friday, I'm baptizing in Shreveport in the Red River, how many of you will walk over there to be baptized don't raise your hand because you're a liar you wouldn't you would not and guess what i'm not going to walk over there to baptize you okay i will drive over there to do it and you say preacher what has that got to do with anything you know it's a funny thing it made it in the bible for a reason didn't it and when when jesus began his public ministry when when Heaven was fixing to part, and the voice of God was going to come down and say, This is my son. And, the, and, man, things are fixing to explode here on earth. Jesus Christ made a decision that he was going to follow God and walk for three or four days one way and get in the river and get baptized. And I want to tell you this morning, in life, you're going to follow God You're going to see God do great things in your life. You're going to have to take the hard right versus the easy wrong. You're going to have to make decisions in your life that when when it comes to following God, dating the right person, not dating the wrong person, taking the right job, living in Ruston, moving halfway around the world, making the right business decisions that are ethical and moral, keeping yourself pure. You're going to be faced with a lot of decisions that are going to be easy and they're going to be popular, and you're going to be faced with some that are going to be right, but they're going to be very hard and very difficult misunderstood. You want to see God work, friend? You've got to choose the hard right over the easy wrong every time. In, in the 1970s in East Malaysia, a missionary that I know was over For the summer, he was doing summer missions in this country. And the little church they were in, they were baptizing one morning. And a 16-year-old girl came into the baptismal area with her suitcase. Now, I've baptized a lot of people and a lot of girls. And women do bring more than men. Men show up to baptize with a pair of shorts and T-shirts. Women show up with eight blow dryers, makeup, wigs, uh, scuba gear, everything. But I've never seen someone with a suitcase. And so... He asked the pastor, the missionary, why did she bring her suitcase? And here's what the the pastor said. Her dad said, she was from a Muslim home, if you go and you get baptized this morning, you pack your stuff because you're never coming back here again. Hard ride. Jesus had to pack a suitcase because he was going to be gone for three days. This girl had to pack a suitcase because it was going to cost her a dramatic change in her life. If you're taking notes, you might write this down because I wish I'd have written this down 30 years ago. Here's what happens, guys. Here's what happens. You come to crossroads in your life, and you never know when that's going to be. It could be tomorrow. It could be next week. It, it, it could be at any point. And you're going to be faced with decisions. And you're going to look at some, and some of them are going to be, if I will do this, it's going to be so easy. It's going to be easy. It's going to be simple. And it's going to be wrong. And oftentimes the wrong decisions are easy on the front end. But let me tell you, you pay a price on the back end, okay? The right decisions, you can flip it around. The right decisions oftentimes are hard on the front end. You pay a price on the front end. People don't understand. People criticize you. You lose friends. People make fun of you, all the above. But when you do the right hard thing, it's always smooth and better on the back end. You following me? You want to see God work? Church, we want to see God work. Uh, you, you can't be lazy. You can't be apathetic. You've got to choose to do what God wants you to do. And oftentimes, that's going to be hard. Always choose the hard but right road. Here's the second thing to see marvelous things. It takes humility. It takes humility. You have to humble yourself. Verse 5 it says, The whole Judean countryside. And all the people of Jerusalem went out to him confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan. Now, they weren't getting baptized to be saved, but what they were saying is, is that by my jumping in that water and getting baptized, I am saying that I'm following Christ, that I'm, I'm confessing where I've blown it and I've messed up, and I am, I am going to be a different person. You know what? That takes humility, doesn't it? That that takes a a lot of humility. In verse 7, and his message was, and after me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am unworthy to stoop down and untie. And in verse 9, it says, Jesus came and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Now, folks, don't ever forget, Jesus was born the Son of God, he didn't become the Son of God. This is talking about the Son of God, God himself in the flesh, coming to get baptized. John the Baptist knew something was up with this. In Matthew 3, verse 14, he says this, But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come and you want me to be baptized, Uh, you want me to baptize you. And Jesus was able to convince him, no, this is the right way. Listen, again, Jesus, we're going to see more of this in a moment, why he was baptized. He wasn't being baptized because he needed to confess his sins and show that his sins had been forgiven. He was coming to affirm John. He was coming to kick off his public ministry. But I want to tell you, I want you to think about this. Read Philippians 2 when you get home. Jesus didn't become God. Jesus is God. Jesus was God. Jesus was born God. And for the Son of God, for God in the flesh to make the choice to get into the baptismal tub or the baptismal river and be baptized by a human took a lot of humility. Amen? You know what's going to keep some of you out of heaven? Pride. Not humble. How do you become a Christian? The first thing, you've got to humble yourself. Listen, many of you are Christians. Oh, I don't need to hear that. Man, you need to hear it. You know what's keeping you from being what God wants you to be? Arrogance. Got it figured out. You know what's running your marriage? You know what's keeping you from having the relationship with your husband or your wife or your kids or your parents that you need? Part of it, undoubtedly, is P R I D E. We will not admit we are wrong, we will not say we're sorry. We will not go back and, and try to listen and be teachable. We've got it all figured out. And yet, Jesus walked for three days and he got baptized by an odd cousin of his in the Jordan River because it was the will of God. I read an interview this week of a skeet shooting coach in Tennessee. How many of you guys would like to be a skeet shooting coach? Wouldn't that be a cool gig? get to shoot guns all day and tell other people how to do it. That would really be fun. And they they talked to him about the people he had had coached, Reba McIntyre, Kix Brooks, Ronnie Dunn, Albert Hainsworth, professional football player. I look at that guy, he doesn't need a gun, does he? I mean... He could go bear hunting just the way he is, I guarantee you. What a man. But, but this interviewer asked him, he said, Okay, you're, you're, you've coached these great stars. They've got to be very difficult to work with. He said, No, no, no. He said, These people are the top achievers in the world in their fields. They came to me humble, attentive, listening, Wanting to learn. Here's what he said. He said, the most difficult people I try to coach how to shoot shoot, ski are 50-year-old men who have hunted all their life. Now, we probably have at least two of those in this room today, don't we? You know what he said? They got it all figured out. You can't teach them anything. And let me tell you, let me tell you, not just in this church, absolutely not in this church, but in every church in America today, you know what is a huge problem? Is people that have been in church for years sitting like this. If your arms are folded, I am not looking at you. You can be sitting like this or like this or however you're sitting. But her saying this, I've heard this before, been there, done that. What's next? Friend, when you got it all figured out, you might as well go on to heaven or wherever you're going. Because you're not growing anymore. You're going to stop benefiting the world. And I promise you the one thing that God will never jump in the middle of and bless is arrogance. A prideful church, God may stand outside, but he's not welcome inside. A prideful heart, God never enters because he's never asked in. A family or a marriage where people will not humble themselves, God stands on the outside and cries, but he's not going to force his way in. If you want to see great things, you've got to be willing to take the hard right road, and you've got to be willing to hum- humble yourself. Here's the third thing. You've got to be willing to take a public stand. You've got to be willing to let people know Where you are and what you stand for. Again in verse 5. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan. This wasn't happening in a closet. You know, unless you have lived in a cave. The big Issue of our day is homosexuality. I mean, it is. And one of the things you always hear is about, whether well, they're coming out of the closet. That, that, that's a way of saying they're coming out in public with it. Listen, a lot of Christians are in the closet and we need to come out. And these people who are getting baptized by John weren't in the closet. It says they were going out, they were confessing their sins, they were coming clean, and they were getting dunked by John in the Jordan River. Baptism has always been, or for many, many years, has been a a public ritual in in religion. In Judaism, for years, when a person who was a non-Jew would become a Jew, one of the things they would do is they would baptize them. In fact, this is interesting. Archaeologists in the last years have found in the Jerusalem area about 150 wealthy homes that date back to Jesus' day, that had baptismal pools in the backyard. Almost like we would think of as a hot tub. They were big enough for an adult to get in it and to be submerged in the water. Baptism has always been, or has been for thousands of years, a way people declared their allegiance to God. Now, what's baptism really about? There was a three-year-old girl who saw her first baptism on a Sunday night. And it was her seven-year-old cousin getting baptized. And she didn't know. And, of course, she's trying to carry on this conversation with her mother during the service, which, you know, is annoying for everyone around you as well as the parent, hopefully. And she says, Mama, why are they, what are they doing to him in the water? And, you know, three-year-old kids think literally. And so it's hard to explain a, a symbolic concept to a three-year-old in a whisper in one minute. Correct. And she's trying to. She says, well, your cousin, he's, he's been sinful. He's been bad. And, and he is coming clean about his sin. And the preacher is baptizing him to show that his, his sin's gone and he's going to be good. And the little girl looked at the baptism, looked at the mom. She said, why didn't he just spank him? <laughs> yes, there are times when we should spank people before we get them in the water. And you let me know when we're baptizing someone, you think, wouldn't that, we had a public spanking and a baptism this morning, so we think the sin is gone. Folks, again, John was not baptizing, and the New Testament baptism is not a way uh, that you are saved, or it is symbolic. It's symbolic that your sins have been forgiven. It's symbolic that you're being washed clean in the beginning of a new life in a public profession. And again, Jesus wasn't coming to be baptized to profess that he was the Godfather. He's God. He wasn't coming to profess that his sins had been forgiven. He's coming to affirm John. He's coming because God had told him this was the right thing to do. Do And this is the kickoff of his public ministry. Isn't it interesting? When Jesus kicked off his public ministry, he kicked it off in the baptistry, not in the pulpit. I want to ask you this morning, are you proud that you're a God follower? Are you proud that you're a God follower? I love George H.W. Bush. That's President 1 Bush. 88 to 92, but I always remember something he said in his campaign 24 years ago. They asked him about his faith, about his religious belief, and he said, Well, my faith is a very private and personal matter, and I screamed at the TV. Yes, your faith should be very personal, but it's never meant to be very private. God does not want undercover followers. In America, USA Today did a survey several years ago a report baptisms are going down. That's not a good sign because the population's not going down. People are just getting less and less uh, concerned and involved about their professing Jesus Christ. Let's start with baptism. Have you been baptized as a follower of Christ? First, you know, that's the first act of obedience. After you're saved. So, oh, it'd be hard to do. Yeah, it was easy for Jesus to do, wasn't it? 2005, there was a man in Athens, Greece. I want to tell you his story. This will make getting baptized easy in America. He was a Muslim. He was from Iran, and he escaped with some of his family to Athens, Greece. And at, at this point in Athens, there, there was kind of a safe haven for people escaping from countries where they were being persecuted heavily. But he was still an active Muslim, and he becomes a Christian. And over a, a course of several months, he decides that he's going to be baptized. And he makes the slip of the tongue, and he tells his family the night before. One of his cousins goes in early that morning while he's still asleep, and he gets a big pot, and he boils water on this pot, in this pot. And I'm not making this story up. And he goes in while his cousin's asleep, thinking that he can deter him from getting baptized, and he pours that scalding water on his legs and his stomach and his arms. Three hours later, the guy shows up to get baptized. You can imagine how he must have felt and how he looked, and the preacher said, Oh, why don't we put this off and do it another day? He said, No way. <laughs> So they baptized him after they baptized. He said, "I want to say something to the church." He said, "I will go stand in the middle of Athens, Greece, this morning and proclaim that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior." Maybe it's the baptismal pull for some of you. Many of us, it's just how we live. People at work, people at school, we're ashamed of Jesus. You know, Jesus said this if I am lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. You know how we will see God work in marvelous ways is when we will get out of the closet, we will get up on the stool and say, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. He honors that. Jesus is looking for men and women who are proud of Him. And let me tell you what happens when you put all these things together and you stay with these things. When you decide in your life, I'm going to choose the hard right over the easy wrong. I'm going to keep myself humble before God and others. I'm going to live my life proud that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what happens. Marvelous things happen when we do this. Let's read verse 10 and 11 again. And no doubt you agree with me. These are marvelous things. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open. Literally, that's the picture that that there was just like an explosion in heaven. Heaven torn open and the spirit descended on him like a dove. And verse 11, a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. How many of you hope that there is a video store or a Netflix in heaven? Man, I want to see this. What an awesome thing. Heaven's torn open, and God the Father speaks down. The Spirit descends on John in such a way that it's visible. Oh over in the Gospel of John, John the Baptist tells a little bit of this story. He said, "I would not have known this John the Baptist talking, him." Except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain on is who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. What an unbelievable thing. John said it was at this moment when Jesus made the hard decision to walk for three days, to humble himself, to publicly get in the water and to be baptized. It was at that point, after those things happened, that heaven burst open and that God the Father speaks down and Jesus' public ministry is fixing to take off. Wow. That's pretty awesome. And I want to tell you this morning... God wants to do some marvelous things in your life and in my life if we're just willing to participate with Him in the process. I read a story recently about a lady named Judy. Judy lived in Illinois. Her brother was a pastor. I guess that was kind of a family curse for her. But her brother said for years he would try to share the faith with her, try to help her come to Jesus Christ. But she would always keep it at arm's distance. He described his sister as a party animal, which is pretty cool at 16. Not really, but I mean, not at 40. And she was a party animal at 40. And any time Jesus came up, she was just still too cool for school. She didn't need that. Until at 44, she got diagnosed with cancer. And a few weeks later, her husband got diagnosed with cancer. And a few weeks later, it came out that her husband was having an affair. And a few weeks after that, her husband said, I'm not only having an affair, I'm not staying with you. Goodbye and good luck. And the pastor said, at that point, Judy turned her attention to Jesus Christ. She became a Christian. And like anyone with any sense, they prayed, they went to the doctor, they did everything they could for her to be healed. They were praying for a marvelous thing to happen in God to heal her, but that did not appear to be happening. Ten days before she eventually died, she was in the hospital. She was very sick. She had never been baptized. She didn't need to be baptized to be saved, but she knew that that was something God wanted her to do. It was a... It was going to be a very hard thing, but it was going to be an act of obedience and a a public statement. So she crawled out of the hospital bed on a Sunday afternoon and went down to the church. And they baptized her on a Sunday night. And that night they baptized her. Her 84-year-old father who was there came down and became a Christian. Some of her children came that night and became Christians. She had nieces and nephews who came forward that night and became Christians. Her ex-husband, who was in the audience, came forward in that night and became a Christian. Ten days later, they had her funeral. Over 100 people gave their life to Jesus Christ. I hope it's not your funeral or my funeral, but I can tell you this. No matter where you are, if you're willing to do the hard things that are right and humble yourself, And get on your soapbox for God. God will show up in some marvelous ways. Let's pray. If you're a Christian, I would just really challenge you right now to examine what you need to do with God. If you're not a Christian or you're unsure, I want to invite you right where you are to pray with me and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I wanna turn from my sins. I believe you're God's son who died and arose for me. And Jesus, today I give you my life. I ask you to come into my heart. Let me have your attention just for a second. Just a second. We're gonna stand and and sing and uh, but man, the main thing I want to challenge you to respond to Christ. Maybe you just prayed and asked Jesus into your heart, or maybe you're ready to do that today. We'll have ministers down front to help you with that. Maybe you'd like to join the church. One way you can do that is by coming, and we'll help you do that this morning. Maybe you need to be baptized. You've given your life to Christ, but you need to be baptized as a follower. Come and talk to a minister about Christian, maybe where you're standing or at the altar today, you need to say, the past be behind me. With the help of God, I'm going to choose the hard rights. I'm going to be humble and I'm going to stand proudly for Him. Let's stand and let God work in your life. Respond now as He leads.